and what sits on shelves of libraries, including those at schools, universities, and in a town square, has surged across the country, but for reasons some Kansans find unsettling. Challenges designed to ban books have infiltrated dozens of states and hundreds of libraries. Look no further than St. Mary's in Kansas, where the public library was compelled by elected officials to jettison dozens of books, including some touching on LGBTQ issues, in exchange for the library securing a new building lease. The targets are many, including The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. The hit list includes To Kill a Mockingbird, Catch-22, The Jungle, Satanic Verses, In Cold Blood. I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. I believe the most banned book of all time is 1984 by George Orwell, which seems very Orwellian. Of course, there is more. There's the the Absolute True Diary of a Part-Time Indian, The the Hate You Give, George, and and a book called Stamped Racism, Anti-Racism, and You and so on and so on. Here to turn the page on this drama are Sean Bird, president of the Kansas Library Association, and State Senator Cindy Holscher, a Democrat from Roveland Park, who introduced a bill designed to shield libraries from the onslaught. To you both, welcome to the Kansas Reflector Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Okay, before we get started, let's do something easy. Uh, Show and tell a bit, but uh, Senator Holscher, why don't you tell us about your favorite book or books? Uh, probably uh, from the standpoint of as an adolescent or a high schooler, To Kill a Mockingbird is one that um, I really love that was very, very profound to me as far as helping shape thoughts and uh, let me broaden my spectrum as far as how I approach things. And then um, so that's as uh, a child or as an adolescent, but as a parent, do not open this book. Mm-hmm. That was the book that my kids loved growing up. And uh, we read that one probably a thousand times. Mr. Bird. Well, when I was in high school as an anxiety-ridden, angsty teen, I uh, read The Catcher in the Rye several times and was drawn into what it meant to be a young person in a society that didn't seem to understand me. Uh, But I would say that in the last couple of years, my book by far is uh, Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro, and it really explores what it means to be a human in a moment in which uh, what it means to be human is sometimes under attack or is being questioned or uh, recognizing what our identity is as a part of uh, a social growing up part process. should note at least two of those books have been frequently attacked by uh, people who don't think others should read them. Senator Holscher, you, you have introduced Senate Bill 358 in response to book challenges in public school districts and elsewhere. Why did you do that? Well, partly I was contacted by a constituent who was voicing concern for the way librarians have been attacked and threatened over the past few years. And as I took a look at the process and even what I've witnessed in Johnson County with some of the book ban challenges that have come forward, we've noticed a pattern that often it's the same people hopping from one school district to another. Um, Sometimes it appears they haven't even read the books. And... (laughs) What has accompanied these challenges often has been harassment and threats made towards librarians. So, and you know, the thing that I look at too is librarians are there to help foster lifetime readers, to help get kids interested in reading. But now we're taking time away and making them focus on some of these other wedge issues. And that just really takes away from the job they're there to do. So that really was why I was compelled to bring it forward. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bird. On behalf of the Library Association, perhaps, can you help us with the state of affairs in terms of book challenges in Kansas? Are they few and far between, or is there an avalanche going on out there? In the last two years, we've had 13 challenges, uh, 13 uh, 
public libraries or school libraries have had challenges uh, and the librarians that work in those libraries have been willing to uh, acknowledge those publicly. Um, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that there are a number of challenges that occur that librarians, for any number of reasons, because they're afraid for uh, their livelihood, they don't want to lose their job, uh, because they don't want to be uh, under a microscope, have uh, probably uh, removed materials from shelves or have uh, censored materials in some ways. Uh, because uh, it's just easier for them to carry out the duties of their job that the senator identifies. I mean, to help uh, students with literacy, help students with uh, understanding uh, the world around them through the magic of books. Uh, But with those 13 challenges, um, it equals 64 books. And um, in each of those cases, uh, there are some patterns that have emerged and I think you've already identified that some of those patterns are that uh, books that are written by or that have uh, themes of uh, LGBTQ um, uh, people or uh, that uh, are written by or about people of color um, are frequently in that top, uh, top band list. And you make, you make note of this it generally amounts to censorship. But also is, is a problem about people feeling compelled to self-censor, librarians trying to avoid controversy and, and, you know, their employment and so forth. So there could be just this very informal process going on in which books are just quietly, you know, put in the back room. And to that point, um, there are at least 1,269 book bans across the country and 2022, that is nearly twice the number from the preceding year. And what's very interesting, though, is that um, I think it was here even in, in Kansas. Actually, no, that was that was nationwide. 11 people were responsible for 60% of the bands. Hmm. Interesting. Well, there's people with a lot of spare time on their hands. Apparently. And, and apparently they hate books. <laughs> You know, to you both, I'm, I'm sort of puzzled by some of these attacks, and I'm thinking back to my high school days many, many years ago, and it's likely that if uh, people had told me that I couldn't read The Bluest Eye, it might be, uh, I might be among the first to uh, run down the hall to the library and see if I could check it out, just because I find it irritating that people tell me what or what I can't do. You know, um, do you think do you think these assaults by various people actually make some books more popular, improve their sales, in fact? I do. Uh, I think there's a fairly famous uh, concept called the Streisand effect, where Barbara Streisand sued some uh, paparazzi for photographing her house, and people weren't going to her house until she made the suit. Uh, I can tell you, too, here in uh, this area, uh, the Topeka Shawnee County Public Library several years ago uh, had some issues with a couple of titles. And uh, in a conversation with one of the librarians that worked there, uh, once those books were put into a uh, location that had to be requested specifically, uh, there became a waiting list for them. Uh, So there is something absolutely ironic about in the information age with the availability of materials uh, so prevalent uh, that we would try to ban information uh, in a way that we have been. Senator, we're going to pivot to your to your bill. So one of the first elements of it would be to forbid a school board, school district from banning or restricting access to a book or other media based on partisan disapproval 
or the origin or background of individuals who created the book and media. Why is that important? Well, because what has become apparent as some of these challenges have been issued, um, at times it seems like they're very much motivated by certain organizations. We know Moms for Liberty has been involved in, in several of these challenges. Um, in fact, there's a website that they have set up that is to assist people to go into schools and libraries to make the challenges. There's like talking points ready for them. And that's kind of what it has felt like at some of these school board meetings. Again, you're seeing the same people uh, floating from one meeting to another. Um, and sometimes it just seems like they have talking points they're using versus actual contextual knowledge and understanding of these books. Interestingly, too, um, in the area I represent, uh, Senate District 8, I have the three major school districts intersecting there. We see the same people going from one meeting to another. We also see, um, we've had the instance where a couple of individuals from Missouri have come over to school board meetings in Johnson County, challenging books. Hmm. And, you know, I, I thought about this. I'm like, would we as a legislative body say, hey, it's okay, Missouri legislators, come on over here and you guys make decisions um, in our capital. So, you know, we want to make sure that people who are coming in and making these challenges have a vested interest um, in, in the school and the library. And, you know, what we have seen is this is very agenda driven. The majority of challenges aren't coming from parents or grandparents of students. But again, someone comes in with a list of books that they got somewhere else, often haven't read it um, and don't even know the purpose or if the book is part of the curriculum. Yeah. Mr. Bird, do you think you sense from the challenges that have occurred in Kansas, there's an organized effort, a vocal minority? Yes, I think. Uh, I also know Senator Holsher's statistic about in 2022, 60% of the challenges were issued by 11 people. Um, and we see that in Kansas because uh, the groups are using the same language. It's boilerplate language. Mm -hmm. And so when challenges are being issued, the, uh, the language is the same as uh, it was in previous challenges. So uh, there, there are some uh, organizations that are uh, highly motivated. I'm going to call them um, small but vocal minorities of people that I think um, does not represent the vast majority of Kansans that I know. I mean, I'm a lifelong Kansan. And Kansans that I know believe that uh, libraries are uh, amazing places. The school libraries are where students can go with uh, questions about uh, schoolwork, uh, when they want to explore the world, as I say, uh, through the magic of a book, um, but also uh, through the, the magic of literacy. Uh, that's, where, that's where our worlds open up. Mm -hmm. Senator, the, uh, your bill would also prohibit would require people making the request for removal to be a resident of the school district and affirm that they'd actually read or viewed the material in question. That gets to your point, I guess, that some people don't bother to look for themselves into the details of why a book mm -hmm. could be objectionable. Um, maybe if they read it, uh, maybe they would find it not so alarming. Could be, but it isn't really just about banning books. I mean, this is an issue. It's being used as a wedge issue uh, to build mistrust in our public schools and in our mm -hmm. libraries, which are public institutions. And really at the heart of it, that's what it's about. We know there's an agenda out there to work to destroy our public schools. And we have certain groups out there who are... are um, moving along with this agenda. And, you know, it started out a couple of years ago in regard to, you know, we had the issues with vaccines and masking. Then it moved to CRT. 
Now it's been the banning of books. And again, you know, a lot of these talking points and a lot of the uh, foundation of this is coming from some of these fringe organizations, uh, Moms for Liberty, Proud Boys. Uh, some of those groups have been very involved in this area. Hmm. Another element uh, would, of your proposed law would require that the complainer provide a detailed list of reasons for their action to the school board that, mm-hmm. for which they're complaining. I guess that's just a practical element of it. Yeah. I mean, again, um, you know, in school, we had to provide a book report. It didn't have to be long, but just kind of showed that, yes, we read the book. Um, but, you know, sometimes when these individuals are asked, what is it that bothers you about this book? They seem to struggle to answer. Yeah. So that's part of the reason why to be very specific or very detailed as far as providing a little bit of information about what it is that is a concern. Yeah. Mr. Burton, can you just, just take a pause here in terms of the bill? You summarized for us how libraries uh, would typically handle uh, content complaints. This has gone on for decades in terms of people have questions about certain books and materials, textbooks even. Uh, so how how they create a committee, they have reviews, they have hearings. How do they do this? So typically in the school library or in the public library, the librarian is responsible to uh, work with a board. It'd be the school board of the school library and a, a public library board in the case of a public library. And they build uh, policies that deal with their collection, what, what they look for when they bring materials in. And they build into the uh, collection policies reconsideration uh, policies that recognize that not everybody in a community is going to be on the same page with a particular book. Uh, and so we give uh, members of the community uh, the, the right, the opportunity to come in and to make a complaint about uh, particular work. But I think incumbent upon that, as the senator has said, uh, is the expectation that uh, people are not blanket banning books because of a, a, a concept that they don't agree with, but because the specific material in hand uh, has something that uh, doesn't uh, sit well with them or that offends them. Mm-hmm. So there's always been, or I generally I believe, some sort of appellate process that exists in libraries in which people can take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, getting back to the bill, I think one component of it was interesting, and at least 5% of registered voters under your bill uh, making a challenge to a school district would have to sign uh, the request or the petition to ban a book or media. Do you think, uh, Senator, that's too high of a threshold? If it is that horrible of a book, that's easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we have all kinds of ways to collect information from people now. Online petitions. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, if if there is a book that is that offensive, um, I I'm, feel pretty certain that a person could find that many people in their in their community to sign on. It- There's another uh, portion of your legislation that would apply to public libraries, and the bill would uh, impose the same uh, prohibition or requirements regarding partisan complaints and the background of the people involved in the production of a book um, in in terms of school uh, library uh, challenges. You also included the bill a provision uh, declaring it would would not apply to age-based restrictions on obscene or pornographic material. I guess that's just looking at court precedents and other ideas, Senator? Yeah, and you know, really, this is a first step as far as starting the discussion on a very important topic. Um, you know, over the past couple of years, we've seen a num- the number of bans increase. That's led to harassment and threats of librarians. Uh, 
58% of those bans are targeted at schools, 41% of bans targeted to public libraries. So this is a discussion we need to have, um, you know, to start thinking about how are we going to better um, protect our librarians to an extent, because like I said, they are facing really unprecedented threats um, because of the fact that they're trying to <laughs> provide books to the public. Mm-hmm. Well, on that point, Senator, do you think any of your Senate colleagues are going to be chairman are going to willing to hold a hearing on your bill and give it a chance in the political melting pot at the Capitol? <laughs> well, you know, you have probably heard, as we all have, this is supposed to be a short session, um, that there are certain things that are priorities of leadership. I mean, I will tell you this. This bill is basically right in the middle, just like most Kansans are, you know, where you have some people are saying ban bans altogether. They shouldn't, book bans shouldn't exist. You have another segment of people that says there are books that need to be banned. This, like I said, is right in the middle. It just says, okay, you can challenge a book, but here are the processes in place. And it does nothing to change what's in place at libraries, but on the front end, just ensures that people have done their due diligence mm-hmm. and that they're citizens of the area where they're making the challenge. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure uh, Kansas want Californians telling telling us what we should and shouldn't read. Typically not, no. Mr. Bird, in terms of the titles targeted for censorship, most have something to do with LGBTQ uh, persons or black, indigenous, people of color. What is the harm done by silencing those voices and inhibiting the ability of people to learn from them? I think that uh, libraries have a cultural obligation to provide materials for whole communities, to provide materials that everyone in a community can see uh, themselves represented in. And when we determine that certain people um, should not be brought in from the periphery, should not be brought in from the margins, we're making a statement that I do not believe that the majority of Kansans believe. I believe that Kansas has a has a proud history. We came into the union as a free state. Yesterday was Kansas Day. Uh, we celebrate our role in the making of America in part because of our position uh, in the state coming into the uh, union, uh, recognizing that uh, people should be considered to be equal. And I think that uh, nowhere. Uh, is that as uh, visible as with, uh, within the uh, content held in the collections of our libraries where everybody has a, a right to be a part of. Senator Holscher, can you think of any benefit that could be derived in terms of a community for throwing a blanket over some of this information? Well, you know, I'm going to kind of go backwards there just a second. I, sure. I want to mention that um, this past summer and fall, I was out canvassing because we had school board elections coming up. And I I was not on the ballot at that time, but I was out because, like I said, we had school board elections coming up. And Mm -hmm. I will tell you, as I was knocking on the doors in Johnson County, I had a number of people telling me that schools are important. Um, And this issue kept coming up in terms of the book banning. And what people were saying to me is, I'm tired of the sideshows in our school board meetings. And people coming in looking for their, as they would say, their 15 minutes of fame. Because, you know, these school board meetings are typically streamed. Um, mm-hmm. So you get some people coming in. They're kind of putting on their shows, uh, so to speak. Um, 
and you know they're challenging books that potentially maybe they haven't read. Um, but like I said, that message kept coming from uh, various doors in Johnson County that they want the sideshows to go away, mm-hmm. and uh, very very much uh, happy to see the potential of some type of process put in place. Um, again, on the front end, as far as somebody bringing forward a challenge. Mr. Byrd, to another point that Senator Holscher made, do you think life has changed in recent years for, for librarians? And I'm not talking about the introduction of all that technology and computers and so forth, but the result of harassment about, about books and other materials. I think that uh, one of my favorite uh, appreciations of the world that we live in comes from uh, one of my personal heroes, Mr. Fred Rogers. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Rogers said that when um, he saw scary stuff uh, in the news when he was young, his mother would tell him, you know, scary stuff happens. And when something does happen, um, it's important that you go find the helpers. And I believe that uh, we know as a culture, uh, when we're talking to our young people, who to, who to direct them to. Uh, we, we direct them to, to police officers, to nurses and doctors. And I believe that historically in school libraries and in public libraries, we can include librarians as some of those helpers, people that are going to be there for you no matter what. And when librarians are being um, challenged uh, with book sensor challenges, but also by being challenged at the desk, uh, by uh, comments being made about them using derogatory language in school board meetings, uh, in uh, public library meetings. Um, It is not just a distraction. It is harmful and hurtful. And so it does, in fact, uh, take a, a toll on the human beings who have dedicated their lives to making sure that young people, especially children, have uh, the, the materials that they need to be happy, healthy, and joyful. It does sound a little ridiculous to characterize librarians as, as subversives. Well, and I'll jump in there, too. Um, nearly a quarter of school librarians have experienced harassment related to books on displays or in the libraries. And we're talking about harassment ranging from name calling to physical threats made to librarians or their families, doxing, harassment on social media. Um, recently, Illinois, a library there received bomb threats And, you know, libraries are meant to be a safe space for everybody, including those who work there. And it's not lost on me that 83% of librarians are females. I feel compelled to try to do something to, again, um, help them be able to do their job and avoid some of these distractions that, honestly, some of these challenges seem quite frivolous when, like I said, people haven't even read the book or live in the area because it's driven by a different agenda. Yep. Another element of this that I get hung up on is that we hear so much in the state house about parental rights, particularly it relates to educational choice and so forth. Uh, so I can't, I don't, can't wrap my arms around this book ban thing because shouldn't it be enough that parents or guardians uh, talk to the kids uh, and and urge them not to read certain things or prohibit them from reading certain things? And uh, I guess up until a certain age, you're just not going to have that much control anymore. People are going to do whatever they want. But don't you think this is really about your family and and the boundaries that you set rather than taking that family's perception of reality and foisting it upon the community? 
Anybody? Well, yeah. And I mean, I'll give you an example. When my oldest daughter was in kindergarten, um, I think it was Magic School Bus. A video was shown. For whatever reason, it scared her. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, <laughs> I don't know exactly why. And I can't remember the whole circumstance, but it scared her. Okay. I spoke to the teacher and said, hey, my daughter, you know, found that a little unsettling. Um, I said, you know, maybe next time. Just, you know, have her go do something else. Or he's like, oh, yeah, certainly. You know, if it, it bothers her, not a problem at all. Okay. I cannot imagine issuing a challenge to have that removed because, for whatever reason, it was unsettling to my child. Because, obviously, there's probably some educational benefit to it. Uh, wasn't meant to scare her. But, like I said, for whatever reason, um, she, she did not like it. Most of our teachers and our librarians will go out of their way to make sure that students are comfortable, um, that the educational environment is positive. And like I said, I cannot imagine making a challenge or saying this can't be shown because one child, mine, didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, this has been great. I think we're going to have to leave it there. There's a lot more we could talk about on this issue, this topic. I want to thank our Kansas Reflector podcast guest, Sean Bird of the Kansas Library Association and Senator Cindy Bolsher of Overland Park. I'm Tim Carpenter. Thanks for listening.